0: My name's Bill, uh, lead pastor here at Bethel Christian Church, and also on behalf of everyone here, do you want to welcome you, either for those stuck in the city for Memorial Day, this is the best place to be, everyone else is missing out, and, and as Mario said, I uh, certainly want to welcome all our visitors as well. We are continuing... Our series in Romans chapter 13, and we're going to go low-tech. I had an amazing week involving a computer crash, two failed backup crashes, lost pretty much everything. So somebody's been praying and God heard you, so uh, we're clearing the deck and and starting over. So it's going to be a little low-tech, which means we get to use these... Now, I know for some of you this is going to be different, but there's um, these devices, there's these kind of paper things, and they're all bound together, and it's like a lot of internet pages, kind of frozen, stuck together. It's called a Bible. So in front, um, yeah, but before we get underway, we have a few transitions that that I would like to... um, celebrate together, and really um, just bring, bring before the Lord, uh, recognizing that it's the body of Christ, it's a family, uh, we're always growing, we're always changing. And so here's an opportunity to participate. If I could put Benta on the spot, um, if you wouldn't, wouldn't mind standing, or come on down, actually. Um, do we have a cordless mic? Yes, we do. All right. This may, Okay, we're, I told you I wasn't going to put you on the spot here, but here we go. Now, Abente is going to be uh, moving possibly for at least a year to New York for education opportunities and just wondering how we can pray for you. What would be, uh, what would be your main prayer request?
1: That I'm obedient to what my father wants me to do and that I take advantage of the opportunities that he presents before me educationally and to share with other people spiritually.
0: Absolutely. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for my sister Benta. I thank you for her heart, how she has dived into your body, how she has just laid hold of you in so many ways. And I pray, Father, that her confidence wouldn't be just in knowing how things are going to work out, but in knowing that she knows the one who holds it all together. That you would go before her, continue to undertake on her behalf, providing everything that she needs. But beyond that, Lord, she would know not just her adequacy, adequacy, but her full identity, her security, her joy all comes from you. And that everything that you've laid in her life is a foundation upon which to continue to build, and that she would take all that you have given her and share it freely through the gifts, the opportunities, and the relationships that you bring her way father connect her well with brothers and sisters where she can be a blessing to them they can continue to be a blessing to her and uh, and you would do wonderful and amazing things in new york in and through benton christ's name we pray amen thank you thank you all right um also uh like to invite paul and aaron up to the stage paul and aaron hunsinger Come on, down now um, now paul has has had a storied military career in that i don 't understand being a, a marine brat myself, how he 's been able to stay in one place for so long and allegedly still be in the in the military. apparently, the coast Guard had the same concerns and got wind of this. So they decided to do a, a makeup all at once. So his orders, his transporters came in and there were some possibilities and kind of praying through them. And so he won, he won the, the, the pick of the litter. How many people know what a really ferocious bear is called? Like if you're thinking of a ferocious bear, what do you say? Do you say brown bear? Do you say teddy bear? What do you say? Grizzly bear. But what's the scariest of all the grizzly bears? Kodiak, thank you. He's transferred to Kodiak, Alaska. Anybody familiar with the deadliest catch? Sissies compared to these guys, the Coast Guard, Kodiak, Alaska, and so he's gonna be there. Anne and Audrey are going to stay here. And, and so it's going to be a long-distance relationship. And so a lot of prayers that way. Just God would be all there with Paul. God would be all here with the family. But wait a minute. What about Erin? I, I, I haven't mentioned her. She is going to be stationed. She's going through basic training in Fort Sill. And so she is uh, in the Army now. And will be in basic training at Fort Sill, which is where this guy's dad actually finished his service. So this That's is kind of... Right there. So stand up full circle. So, um, and then uh, as I understand, uh, you'll be doing uh, language at uh, Defense Language Institute in Monterey. So for each of you, how can we pray for you during uh, the main these transitions? The thing for me is uh, pray for Anne and Audrey. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big one. Same thing. Same thing. All right. Yeah. Where well, this is where God's placed us in a family, where it's real. Uh, we can be in one place at one time, but we can all be here with a family. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much that you have placed us in family and placed us in relationship. And that's where you grow us, that's where we are known, that's what's most special. And it's often farther in the course of life we can take so much for granted and looking at. Uh, What's going to change radically can be very daunting. And and we just think of uh, too too little too late and, and what now and it just hits us all at once. But Lord God, this is a continuation of you knitting hearts together. And this is where you meet the very real circumstances, the very real fears, the very real unknowns. So I pray in the most intimate, deep way you would meet Paul, that he could freely release his wife and daughters into your hands, that you're going to do the very best, that he can be open handed, that he can know your peace, that he can be fully present where you have him, knowing that you're going to continue to strengthen them, that you will minister in new and deepening ways. And I pray, Father, for Erin as she's experiencing a very, very uh, new experience of life, that you'd give her good friends as she's going through basic, that you'd give her uh, brothers and sisters to encourage her in the faith, that you would show her more who you have made her to be, where she can lean hard on you and know your love and make you known. I pray for Audrey and for Anne as well, that in, in them experiencing uh, those closest to them pulled away, they would know you even more so. In absence, Father, and when we can only in our human experience know what we're missing and and where, where the hurt's going to be, Father, that you would fill that in with your peace, which we can't understand, with your presence, which we always need more of, and with your love that would transform. Pray for a special time, pray for an intense time, but Lord God, that this wouldn't be just leading up to a break, but it would be a continuation of knitting hearts. We ask all of this in the powerful name of Christ. Amen. All right, we have another transition that we really want to honor, and uh, the transition is something that's going, uh, it just happens in the life of church and people in all of this, but uh, the people uh, we continue to honor in our relationships and lives, so I'd like to invite Jordan and Jen to the stage, I'd like to also invite all elders uh, to the stage as well. Jordan has served, uh, Jordan and Jen uh, both actually, it's uh, called the bait and switch, which uh, <laughs> happens in ministry, but have served in many ways which we're aware of, in so many ways which we're not, because everybody has their own experience, which we would fill out people hours and people years if we were put it all together, but they have poured their lives out into, into many youth, many parents, and we want to honor you and, and thank you. Uh, you know, it's, it's a, this is just one of these, <laughs> man, I hate ministry for these reasons, um, uh, but that's why I guess, it, it, you know, we have eternity in heaven, so, um, you know, there's a, there's a great makeup that, that God has in the midst of this, but this is also a continuation, you know, as you've heard me say, everything is unto the next thing. And it is my hope and prayer that you would know all the more the firm ground that you have. Only because of Christ, but how you feel it, how you experience, how it's worked out because of your experiences through the body of Christ here at Bethel. Through those interactions and God growing you and growing others, through your experience and feeling of the kingdom, where you can see the next steps ahead of you and the assurance that, that you're going to be more known by God, more be- know how beloved you are, and be used in ways way beyond anything you can think the craziest plans that you can imagine throw them away because it is so far short of what God has for you. And that's wide, and that's deep, and, and, and that's long-term. And, and this is a, it's exciting to, to have been um, a link in the chain and part of that. And it'll be exciting to see all that God continues to do and continues to build. So I just want to say and, and let it be known, I, I, I love you. I really i am going to miss you uh, more than you'll know. Um, and I uh, just look forward to shanghaiing you back for various things. And um, really, uh, this is just an, an, open, an open-handed uh, blessing and partnership and, and encouragement. And so this is how God grows the body. And uh, you're my favorite pseudopod going out from the amoeba. Um, sorry, biologist. Uh, and, um, and so we just want to pray and uh, bless you out. So I don't want to hog all the prayers, so I've asked um, Rocky to pray.
1: Heavenly Father, we are so grateful and so humbled that you are bigger than us, that you are bigger than who we are, that you are bigger than who Bethel is, that you are God uh, of all. And, Lord, I just pray, I just thank you for the time that the halls have had here at Bethel. Um, Thankful for what they've brought here to this church. Thankful for their family. Uh, for Aiden and Lucy, yes, God and thankful for Jen and Jordan. Um, Lord, we just pray for them right now as they go out and they step into the next chapter of what you have prepared for them, Lord. We just pray, Father God, for your covering. We pray that your will be done. We pray that they can see more of you, Father God, in this next step. We pray that as transitions are hard for those that are leaving and those that are being left behind, Lord, we just pray that you be there. We pray for your um, your presence, Lord, in the Halls family. Um, I know that transitions are difficult with little ones, Father God, but we just pray that this just be a wonderful time for them to grow closer as a family, um, to rely on not only one another, but the family that they've made here. Pray that the relationships, Father God, that they have connected with, that they have grown with here over the the course of the years that they've been here, that they just remain strong and continue on, even if they're not physically here at church, Father God, that they continue on. And, Lord, I just pray that we can continually lift them up in prayer, that not when they leave these doors that, oh, They're out of mind, out of sight. No, Father God, I just pray that we have a burden to lift them up, um, to continue praying for them as family and um, just supporting them, Father, in practical ways and in spiritual ways as well. Lord, just, um, just pray that the halls know how much they are loved and that they can hold on to that and in this new path, Father God, that they can rely on that if needs be. And we're thankful for the, the new exciting ways that you're going to show yourself to them and reveal them, yourself to them, Father. I pray for the new friends that they're going to make, the new families they're going to meet, the new lives they're going to touch, Lord God. We pray ahead of, ahead of the path, Father. We know yes. that you are a God beyond time and that you can see who they will connect with um, in their new place, Father. So I pray for those relationships and prepare them, Father God. Um, prepare them for this new adventure. Thank you again, Father, and uh, we just pray for the halls. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.
0: All right. He goes for the long prayer when I'm on my knees. Thanks. I thought I was kidding about the, uh, the Bible, didn't you? All right. We could turn to Romans chapter 13. And for those of you like me that have to go whipping through this way. this, way. Also known as page 1123. Now, uh, who remembers what we discussed last week? yeah 's got a Republican or a Democrat, right Relationship to the government and, and again, um, I, I just want to uh, let you know with the context that this is not an academic discussion. this is not an abstract discussion. I think one of the reasons that Paul chose this particular relationship he could have picked many, and, and he does in other other books. but why he picked the government is because it's a, it really re, it 's a reveal of our heart. Do we have a submissive heart? Do we have a trusting heart? Do we believe that God stands over government, that God is actually over all, or do we get swayed and pulled into whatever system, whatever grid of the world that we have and and work it over? I've moved most of my life, but where I have spent by far and away the most time of anywhere I've lived have been in governments that have been very opposed to religion. Uh, People killed, Uh, I've had friends who were killed, Uh, churches burned people arrested Um, I've been arrested numerous times and I'm a tourist by far and away the heroes are the ones living this day in and day out but I've also seen that that's a world of black and white that that is a, a world where you need to pray where you take nothing for granted where you see God at work all the time and many layers when you have many things taken away from you you realize where your power truly is See, we live in a world of grace. It's not just 50 shades of gray. It's 50,000 shades of gray. And, and there's so many competing systems and, and agendas. Uh, we, we can get confused and the gospel, gospel can be co-opt. And that's what I meant. The cross will not be wrapped in anyone's flag, taken to anyone's agenda. And... and It's a lot more difficult to be a believer here in America, quite honestly. It was a lot easier for me and my faith on the mission field because it was so black and white and you had to pray all the time. It's a lot more subtle. It's a lot more deceptive. I feel myself falling asleep and being numb so much more easily because I can't. And so this is the question I want to look at. We're only looking at four verses here, and it's really kind of teasing out how then do we do all these things? Twelve chapters on our salvation and our freedom, how horrible we are as people, and how glorious the gospel is in setting us free, and now this whole new life that we're supposed to live, but not a whole lot changes off the bat. And so this is where we are in Romans of the practical outworking. Where's our traction in life? And, and so we're starting with uh, verse 11 and moving forward. But I want to ask this question. How many people believe that Christ has risen from the dead? Show of hands. Yeah, me too. Amen. If Christ rose from the dead, why do I have a hard time getting out of bed? To paraphrase Keith Green. If Christ has risen, defeated death, the final enemy, defeated sin, I'm forgiven. No more shame. No more guilt. Um, I I am absolutely empowered to be fully who I can be in Christ. If that is true and real, why am I so indifferent to others? Why am I so preoccupied with me? Why is my stuff loom larger than anyone's, even God's stuff in, in life? Why why can I be in God's presence and be so unmoved for so long? If this is true, then this would also have to hold true, wouldn't it? And this question bothers me. It's not when I get my heart broken. It's not when I get angry and react the wrong way. It's not when I'm provoked and I go somewhere because somebody's alive. I might not be doing it the wrong way. I might be, you know, answering the wrong phone, but at least I'm provoked. But when I'm indifferent, when I'm asleep, how can that be? So if Christ rose from the dead, why am I often still asleep? Okay, the the title of this sermon is Displacement. Not dat placement or dose placements, it's displacement. Displacement is simply this. Anyone ever watch an old Star Trek or a new Star Trek or any science fiction where they're going to teleport from one place to another? What's the one thing they always have to worry about when you're teleporting? That it goes against the laws of physics and it won't work, so, no. What's the, besides that, you got to suspend judgment. What's the, when, when you're going to teleport, you have somebody here, beam me up, Scotty, beep, and then you show up in a totally different place. What do you worry about? Where are you going to go? Exactly. And why is that? So, so say, beam me up, Scotty. Ha, wasn't that funny? Okay, beam me back, and he beams me back right in the middle of his podium. Yeah, it doesn't work. Why do, Why is that going to be a problem? Because two objects can't occupy the same space at the same time. Which when you think about it, it's stupid because how about the oxygen you're teleporting into? Where does that go? So anywhere you teleport, you're actually going to be teleporting into something. That's why that doesn't really work. Does that make sense? Two things cannot occupy the same place at the same time. This was, this took science thousands of years to formulate and it came down in the 30s. There was this super annoying German scientist that nobody wanted to invite to any parties. And so they called it the Pauli exclusion principle. Where, no. Poly exclusion principle basically says the outer shell of any atom can only have certain number of electrons in it And you can't put more that's how chemistry suddenly makes sense. Oh these two things bond these two things don't I understand this I understand that why simply put no two things can occupy the same place at the same time displacement How do you measure ships? How big are ships? big really big super big so so that's those are nautical terms by the way small medium and large you know container ships no it's displacement how many thousand tons of displacement how many tons of water are displaced by the weight because two things can't occupy the same place at the same time so you understand displacement right Pretty simple you can 't compress water that 's why engines have displacement all right we 're good. Hold on to that thought because that 's going to make all the difference in the world in uh, hopefully letting me off the hook and trying to understand this okay let's let 's get to text. Romans chapter thirteen verse eleven. That would help if i 'm actually in Romans thirteen. There we go, and do this. OK, Remember it just talked about the government. Just talked about being general. Now, I talked about the government and a reveal of your heart. Are you willing to submit to God? Well, submit to a government you probably don't agree with. You probably don't like. You haven't signed off on their policies. So it's saying this is our posture before God. Then he talks about love. Verse 10. Verse 10 begins... Love does no harm to its neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Okay, Paul, great. How's this going to work out? Verse 11. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day almost here. So let us put put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Okay the main there's one main verb in this entire thing and it's it's just one word it's translated wake up arise from the sleep or awaken from the sleep but awaken And so it's using this metaphor of night and day, dark and light, um, on or off. It's not saying it's it's 50,000 shades of gray. It's saying really, ultimately, there's good, there's evil. And and that's that's behind everything. And and we need to understand that what God is doing, all of our Christ, all of our heart, God cares. God takes sin personally, and he's not slow to act. And so he's acted in Christ on the cross for everyone who calls upon his name, that right now we would know, we would be saved, we would be transformed transformed and he's acting cosmically and in the world to make right everything that's wrong. He's taken it personally, he's involved, he's near, he cares. He is underwriting our sin more than we will ever know. more patient, more merciful. If you walk away with nothing else today, know how much God loves you. He's not ashamed, he's not disappointed. he's not shaking his head, but the sin is destroying you and upbraids his heart and he's done something about it. And so what he's saying now is even though it's familiar, it can't be the security that makes up your life. We build nests over the familiar things in our life. With birds, it's shiny objects and twigs and mud. With us, it's whatever we think gives us value and gives us identity. It's the same principle. It's familiar, it's security, it's a bulwark against the world. So nobody sees the real us. But what God wants to do is to help us to separate out the old from the new. He made us to be builders. The question is, what do we actually fill our hearts with? What do we build our lives from? So he talks about salvation history. He's saying, you know what? This is the final act. God has done everything that he's going to do in history except return. That the the next thing that's going to happen with heaven coming to earth... Okay, began in creation, consummated in the incarnation and resurrection. God and man united, heaven and earth united. There's this 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 intimate fellowship. Now it's possible. The final chapter is God setting it all aright. And so it's saying, knowing that there's all sin is going to be judged. Knowing that it hurts you. Knowing that it destroys. As we as we see it more for what it is, how then should we live? I don't think it's a matter of understanding. I think all of us know should do this, shouldn't do that. And a cursory reading of the text seems pretty stupid, actually. I mean, doesn't this just sound like the church lady? Well, is that special? All the pagans. Out having their tingly parts stimulated and they're being naughty and they're just partying and drinking. But us religious people are in here. You know, it's this sense of judgment where it says, don't spend your time in carousing and drunkenness and whoremongers and turn and burn. And so you could easily preach this. It's better to do good than to not. Well, thank you, Holy Spirit. That was helpful. I don't think it's saying that at all. It's making a point here. And this is the point that we miss. See, I quickly go to here being called out of, wait a minute, this behavior. What do these words mean? Well, how big a circle? When you say drunkenness, Lord, when you say licentiousness, I mean, one person's licentiousness is another person's common sense. So where are we drawing the boundaries, God? A- and I'm missing the point. You see, the, the metaphor, the word picture here is what he's been using throughout these whole four verses. Did you, do you get it? Day, night, light, dark, you know, darkness, dawn. It's this whole thing because we, what are these things? We've got lights on in the daytime. Who does that? Who, we're, we're so extravagant with technology. We need lights on in the light. Wasn't the sun bright enough for us? But think about a society that had no electricity. They are completely, every aspect of life is governed by the sun. That, that all that anyone has ever, ever, ever known, what grandpa, great grandpa great-grandmother knew, they always knew this. The sun goes down, time to go to bed. Sun's up, time to wake up. That's just what you do. Uh, and so you the sun goes down, you're telling stories, everyone's getting ready, bam. That's why early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and tired, right? Um, because it's an agrarian society and, and you just follow the sun. And so all of life was set according to the, 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 the universe's clock, the sun. So those that got it and figured this is the rhythm of life, they fit into it. I'm awake in the daytime, I'm asleep at night. But those that didn't fit, that didn't recognize this is actually the life we're supposed to be living, they were awake at night and slept in the day. That they they didn't fit in. They were operating off of a different roadmap. So they said the biggest value isn't in working and family and community and relationship and connection in the rhythm of life. You know, the the great circle of life that, that God had put into all of nature. Stupid animals have figured it out. Most people have figured it out, but he's saying in a society governed only by dark and light, those that are reading from a different sheet of music, they stand out because we hear them all night long. What is going on? And then they're supposed to be here at work. They're supposed to be here in the family, supposed to be here in a relationship, and they're checked out. Does that sound familiar? But enough about me. Um, it, it, it sounds familiar because that's what this is really talking about. But it's flipped around to Believers. So what Paul is saying this, just as in the same way, just in life that we all get, you're awake and you work in the day, you're asleep and home at night. Those that don't get this bend it out of proportion. and So they're partying all night long and they're asleep all day. They haven't figured out this is, this is the way it is. Okay, is. There's been a major shift that has happened for Christians. We spent basically now 12 chapters fleshing out this shift. We are born in Adam in the world and we learn our identity we learn what gives us value We learn what gives us value in the lives of others by what we can do by what we can say By by commending ourselves to the world and the world is a very familiar place And as such the world's a very secure place. I know where I got I'm going to France. So I need to practice my miming jokes um, The world's a very small and secure place because it's familiar. When we come to Christ, everything and nothing has been changed in a moment. Because what happens is it's realm transfer. Spiritually, we are moved, just like the claw in Toy Story, and we're moved and we're dropped into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of life, the kingdom of freedom, ruled by Christ and grace. But we're still accustomed to thinking, living, breathing, doing, as though we were still living in the kingdom of death. We're in Christ, but we're used to still being in Adam. And that's what now the whole rest of the book of Romans is doing. It's saying, this is how we're to live, how we're to live different, to quote Jobs, differently. So, how do we awaken? How do we wake up? How do we lay hold of our faith? We've been talking about this in many, many different ways. And he talks about putting off and putting on. It's interesting that the translation here, it's not actually saying these words because Paul's getting excited and mixing it by his metaphors. But he says, put off the works of darkness. Put off the works. The works are general. It's whatever you do that is not of God is going to cause hurt. It's going to cause harm. There's going to be an impact. Violence always begets more violence right it may be the best solution regretfully but it will always beget more violence and so the ways of the world the ways of darkness are going to create more darkness we're developing a new cruise missile it's amazing one cruise missile creates 50 new terrorists you see the problem you see a cruise missile saves 30,000 people from getting killed on the ground but there are no sanitary solutions Violence begets more violence. Darkness creates more darkness. And so the works of darkness, no matter how well-intentioned, they're going to create more darkness. So it's saying put off the works of darkness because it's a general way of being. It's a general way of doing. It's a plane of responding. But it doesn't say put on the works of light. It says put on, the word is actually weapons. It's translated armor because you don't really put on weapons, you put on armor, but the intent, the intent is this, that what God does that is light, that is life-giving, that is freedom-enabling, it is specific, it is trained, it is honed, that God has made us unique, God is using our experience, God is honing us through the good, the bad, the ugly to prepare us as weapons of light, of righteousness, of healing, of holiness, of truth, and it's unique and it has a purpose that plays out differently for each of us. In the world, our our uh, basic training is we're all sinners, and we learn to do that well. And whatever way we're working it, with the works of darkness within and without, that just creates more darkness. And it's familiar, and it's secure, and we work it well, and we know it. We're very well adept at working in the kingdom of Adam. We're strong. So when we find ourselves as Christians plopped down into the strange world of the Spirit... Even though we're still living in this world, it's this, this superimposed reality. What are the what are the weapons of light and what are the works of darkness? Put off and put on. Here's the problem though. Our eyes get used to the dark. Um, I mentioned this briefly, but I'll just give you the, the psychological backstory. When I was about eleven Kids, don't try this at home. I don't even know if you can in the city. When I was 11, I I used to take a shortcut through a forest to my friend's house. And it was also a shortcut to get home from school. And so twice a day, I was faced with this temptation. There was this giant storm drain um, hole, and it's where this creek uh, came out of. And I went by, and it was just this this dark, yawning cavern. And it echoed, and it smelled, and it was scary. And and I went by, and I'm like, whoa, that, that just looks a little trippy. The next day, I got a little closer. Next day, I'm like... I wonder how far back that goes. And I'd stick my head in. And then if you walk like this in the tunnel, you cannot get wet and, and go in. And so I'd go in a little bit further and a little bit further. And it was terrifying because I couldn't see anything. But I'd get a couple friends and we'd go further in and further in. Well, a couple weeks later now, we're going all under Fairfax, Virginia in the storm drain system. Because our eyes got so used to the dark and it was so familiar, it wasn't this scary thing that was dark and echoing. It was like the eye of Sauron that's just drawing us, you know. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> my precious, um, and, and so we're, and we would go in smaller tunnels, because our eyes got so used to the dark, that just from the lights coming in through the, um, the street drains, uh, we could navigate really, really well, the scariest I've ever been is, in we got caught in a rainstorm, and all the water, the tunnels were filling up pretty quickly, and it, uh, it got dark apparently when it rains the sun goes behind clouds or something but um, and so that was terrifying but here's the point even though it was stupid even though it was ridiculously dangerous even though common sense 11 year old Bill said well that looks ridiculous I shouldn't go there I got used to it it was familiar and I was a practitioner I knew how to operate underground very very well my eyes got used to the dark and so I, I could make a great case of how safe it was how familiar it was how well I knew it I know where the pitfall are I know where all the broken glass are I know where the drug addicts are I know where all these you know things to avoid what's the problem it's the same problem with us in the world in Adam our eyes have gotten used to the dark and so we're born in sin broken people in a broken world hurting people hurting people and so all that happens is very familiar and it's very secure to us but it's still darkness the problem is our eyes have gotten so used to it we see it in 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 so many different shades Put off and put on. See, the fam- when the familiar becomes our security, we're in prob- we've got problems. Jesus tells a parable in Matthew that exp- explains this point really well with displacement. He says, now there's this person and he cleans his house. And he sweeps out the house. There's a, 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 a demon living in the house. And he, he sweeps it out and the demon goes to a dry land. And the demon goes, hey, the house is looking good. I'm out here in the desert, sort of the prodigal son in reverse. And so it says the demon takes seven, more, seven spirits more wicked than itself and returns to its former place of residence, finding it clean and swept out. And the last condition of the person is worse than the first. Okay, what, what Jesus is referring to is what in, in the Christian church we call backsliding. Basically saying, I know better, but... Yeah, 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 yeah. I shouldn't be doing this, but I just find myself, here I am again. And the reason that happens is they found it swept out and empty. See, what Jesus is describing is the dynamic of addiction. See, with addiction is we always go to the last place we left off. If you have a really good intimate friend that knows you, there could be years, even decades in between you connecting. But but do you know what I'm talking about? Where you have the kind relationship, you pick up the phone, you run into them, and you pick up right where you left off. And that's a beautiful thing with intimacy, but it's a terrible thing with intimacy with sin because the same principle holds true that when you just sweep out the Christian faith okay I repent I renounce I identify this I get this out of my life we sweep it out and so much because it's it's pressurized by shame and by guilt I just oh, I can't believe I'm still doing why and so we want to get this out and we sweep our house out just like the person but what he's talking about is addiction that there could be a period where everything's fine and there's nothing bad going on in here because I've swept it out but if it is empty if it's not displaced with something else the sin will always return and it returns with a momentum we will be worse off than we were before that's what Jesus is referring to and so if we don't replace what we've removed we will always be worse off the addiction will return and I'm just using addiction in terms of the sense we're addicted to sin we're deceived in that I need this to fill in the blank whatever security comfort vindication validation to feel whole whatever it is and so that's why it's always both and Ephesians Colossians Philippians especially Paul just runs this case all the way through yes we need to identify sin yes we need to get rid of it but we can't live our life um, looking behind us how fast can you run looking behind you depends how spectacular your break video is going to be right or, or, or YouTube, because, I mean, if you're just going fast, how far? But we, we do that with our life. How many people drive looking in the rearview mirror? Well, <laughs> um, you're not going to miss your exit. You're going to slam into something. Well, but we live our life that way. We're looking at the past. But I did, but I did, but I was, but I did. And we can't run forward if we're looking at the wolves nipping at our heels. Henry Nouwen said, we can't continually say no to sin or we're going to get tired and we're going to give in. At the same time, we need to spend more time saying yes to Christ. This is who I am. This is the new person I am. I am in the realm of the spirit, the realm of forgiveness, the realm of freedom. The old has gone away. The new has come. And so what am I replacing this with? What am I doing that's differently? What am I doing that's going to occupy the place so that the old way of seeing myself or acting or thinking or behaving or working for or striving isn't going to just naturally return because it's familiar, because I can control it, because it's safe but i can sit with the vulnerability and the insecurity and not being in control in this dangerous new place not unlike a wilderness or a desert that god calls us to to worship we're slaves called into the wilderness to worship god a place of vulnerability same god rolls the same way and so if we're not actively putting on and targeting, what are these weapons of righteousness? What is the uniqueness that God has placed in me? And how is he uniquely equipping me for the kingdom now with the people he's placed me around and in and through at work, at school, neighbors, family, and in eternity as well. And that's form fitting and that's necessary. So what that means is this. That in the areas where, where God reveals, here's, here's something just to, to remove in our life. At the same time, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. We need to look, what, what am I putting in? Because if we can't answer the second question, we will. I promise you, we will come back to the first one. Because uh, whatever the sin is, will return with, with, with greater force, with greater hold, with greater commitment. Putting off and putting on. Make no provision for sin that is in the flesh. You see, and this is where I think the overlap is what is familiar to us. You see, there's a great liability with what's familiar because we don't see it. We, we take it for granted. We don't know it's operating. We don't, I don't know that the, the, the foundation I think I'm secure on is just because it's familiar to me, not because it's right or true. But the great advantage is I already know how this dynamic works so well. I just need to change the players. Paul says, you already know how to commit yourself to me because you've practiced your whole life committing yourself to so many other lesser things. How did we commit ourselves to those lesser things? How did we commit ourselves with our thoughts, with our money, with our time, with our relationships, with our words? How have we crafted and shown value to these things? This is exactly how we're to do it with God. None of this is strange or new or foreign, but it's recognizing unless we are deliberately doing this, we're kidding ourselves we will always return and then take another step back and so this is the battle that we're enjoined in it's not just a matter of abstract governmental theory it's not just a matter of general love God love others impact the world but it's a very specific circumstances and details of our immediate life I need this I need these things to be pulled out of my life. I need for these things to be put into my life that I can be confronted with. This is the familiar that is hurting me. This is the familiar that's blocking God from working in my heart. This is the familiar that's keeping others out of the court of the Gentiles. Because I'm too busy being church. So where do we go with that? Where's the application? I'm glad I asked that. That's why we're here. This is why we're here and this is why we do church. Now, I could proof text, and you know, I think it's Hebrews 10 26. Don't forsake assembling together as some has done, and, and we could rip out some verses why we all need to meet together in church. I don't think that's really speaking to that. I think this is. This is the only way we're going to actively have what is good, what is right, what is true held in place in our life for it to take. For it to take. Um, how many people have um, older parents, kids? How many people might be older parents? How many people recognize the law of warranty with your own body? Okay, as soon as the warranty goes, the part blows, right? Okay, with teeth, how many people are experiencing that joy? Um, or if you're getting dental work done, apparently when you get older, you lose, lose bone density or something. And so you have to have the tooth or the crown or whatever it is held in place for the bone to go around it for it to take. That's the only way it works. That's why dentists are, are now making bazillions. You know, it, it's ridiculous. You can fly to Russia, get full dental work done, and fly back for cheaper than two crowns and a root canal here. Yeah. That's just going rate right because it's, it's a lot of stuff. I mean, it's a huge, long process getting the bone to, to knit. And you've got to do temporary things in six months and hold it. Why? Because you've got to hold the foreign good thing in place For the rest of your life to recognize it as familiar and to grow and to hold and to make it part. That's just the way it is. That's what God does with us here in church. The only way we're going to naturally hold what we need to replace is by being in community. By having other people in our life and by being known by others. There's, we're all in a journey. We all come from different families. We all have different uh, things that are built into our life and things that weren't there. We all have different comfort levels, and we want to create a community where everybody's comfort from where, comfortable where they're coming from of stepping more into community. We, we don't want to just grab people and hey, give us your credit card number, and you know we're, we're off to the races. So so we're, we don't want to pull anyone out. But I do want to implore you that what I need and what we all need is to be known by others in community. We need to be in each other's life. Because this is the only way that this stuff's going to actually happen. And it won't be good intentions. It won't be, I'll try something and go out really strong and, and then return back here again. Okay, now, okay, I'm not going to get down on myself now. I'm going to try this. As long as, long as I'm trying to do it on my own. I'm going to be that seven more evil spirits in a worse off position because I can't myself hold these things in my life long enough for them to take and displace what's been familiar for 47 years. But when I have people that know me and love me and care for me and accept me, people that I can trust a few and perhaps a bit more, then, then all of you can bear my burdens, Galatians 6, and fulfill the law of Christ by helping to hold the good things in my life and for me to see it and for it to take. And I can also fulfill the law of Christ by bearing your burdens likewise. And this is how God has built his church. This is where we're more known. This is where we're more free. And I dare say this, this is one of the primary practical ways that God answers the prayer, Lord, make me more like you. Lord, make me more usable in your kingdom. Lord, help me to kn- more know your love. Because this is the practical way in which our hearts are expanded. That we, we with others looking in, can see better how God loves and accepts us. That he's not running because others aren't running. We can practice submission. We can practice using our gifts. This very specific way that God is growing us. These weapons of light, which are form-fitting, which are finger control for every single individual. Smart weapons, if you will. These are best worked out in small communities. This is a rah-rah session. This is celebrating what God does in the week. This isn't church. Churches between Sundays will really work this out. So we have an awful lot going on this summer. We are, are ratching it up. We're, 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 what am I flying here? Plane? Lawnmower? Where's the throttle on this side? We're, we're putting the throttle forward that we can engage in community. And I encourage you, the, our Wednesday community, uh, it's something for everybody. We're doing Alpha Course. We're doing book clubs. We're doing all sorts of different ways that we can practice this very thing and walk it out one to another. The enemy of the great is the good, and the good is the familiar in our life. And some of it truly is good, but a lot of it, imposters, a lot of it, uh, smoke and mirrors, and a lot of it, very caustic. What we do together, how we experience Christ in community, is literally all the difference in the world. And so let's lean forward into what God has placed in our midst. Look around. Be encouraged. Look around. Seriously. What prayers have you prayed this week? About your growth or the growth of someone else? What prayers have you prayed for this church? What prayers have you prayed about individuals here? What issues, hurts, beefs, and unforgiveness do you have? If you prayed anything regarding relationships, anything regarding your heart, anything regarding this church, anything regarding the kingdom, I promise you this. The answer to that prayer is sitting here in this room and how God is going to work this through in your life. And so we need to seek out community, seek out individuals, and we're going to be steering hard into that. But that's pretty much what the rest of the summer is. Let's pray. Father, it's no mystery that in your word you spill so much ink telling us first who we are, who you are, what you have done, how it shakes out. And then just a little bit at the end on the handles and the traction of how we can walk this out in life. And I know, God, because that's where we need the work. That's where we need our eyes opened. Show us, Father, show me where where my eyes are still so accustomed to the dark that I'm going on ability i'm going on the world i'm i'm going on values and 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 things that i've invested in or hoping for that are just not of you but they're familiar show me lord all that's passing away the wood hay and stubble show me what is most valuable and it's everyone here in this room that's what you have said on the cross that's what you demonstrate each and every day father and your love and your grace for us. And help us to likewise see that. Where we can most know you, love you, and grow in you. Is as we know and are known by and love one another. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, hey, look at the time. Guess what? Um, I'm going to invite the band to play us out. But I would... Come on, stand up. Stand up. Um, going to invite our prayer counselors down to... Um, to pray, if there is anything that you would like prayer for or anyone you would like to uh, to spend time uh you know Walking this out with others. For we have prayer counselors that do want to talk to you. If you go through those doors, uh, through the couches, there's people that would love to share with you more about some next steps and getting connected here. Um, what mario shared about BBBB—that's our rummage sale, where uh, this all—all all of this goes to support wonderful, wonderful missions projects around the world. I can't tell you how many neighborhood people are still shouting through the, the bars in the garage and stopping on stopping me on the street. When are you guys doing this? When are you doing the rummage sale? it's just the words out there but the stuff isn't so so we if you have anything at all if you're driving along and there's a couch on the side of the road boop, grab it i mean craigslist you see something jesus yeah i got it yeah, woo. bring it in i mean get creative entrepreneurial but everything that you bring in this is the ultimate currency exchange you go overseas dollars to euros right here somebody's junk salvation That's the exchange because it's translated into the rummage sale to direct money that's going to projects where the gospel is going to be preached forever by the buildings, by the churches, by the people, by the witness. So this is the greatest exchange in the world we can be prepared for. Um, I'll let the band uh, play us out. Uh, But I would like to invite anyone as they're praying to please come and uh, receive prayer. Walk in love as Christ walks in love and has given his life as an example for each and every one of us. And I'll see you here next week. God bless.